Remember when Jake said he was ready, and now all of a sudden he said uh, one second? Because he just poured Makers, the opposite of craft. <laughs> <laughs> podcast about bourbon and the ones who drink it. This is Bourbon Matters. Welcome to Bourbon Matters. I'm Jake. I'm Dan. I'm Gold Eagle Jake. And tonight we are talking about craft distilleries, uh, which Dan told us not to look up the definition of because it seems like it's probably something hilarious. (laughs) Well, so there's really not a, in terms of the government side, there's really not a, a definition for craft. Um, so if there is from the American Distiller or American uh, Craft Spirits Association have kind of their own uh, rules for what makes a distillery craft. But when you guys think of craft distilleries, what do you think of? Like, what are, like, if you're going to call something craft, what are you, why are you calling it a craft distillery? My, my guess would have been, some sort of output limit yeah of like how much uh you know uh distillate you're producing mm-hmm. but something tells me that's probably not the criteria they're using there it's part um, of it there's part of it i'll okay. give you that yeah my guess would be like under a certain amount of barrels or you know liters distilled per year um but i mean that's a good point i'm glad you told us not to look it up because i probably would have and i think everyone's opinion on craft distilleries is you know different and just kind of their own what they associate with it um so so what about besides the output what are some other associations that you guys think of when you think of a craft distillery so like Mm -hmm. i think this this should be kind of obvious but i don't know if everybody would consider it but uh, I feel like they have to actually distill their own well liquor it's a distillery. Well, I mean, congratulations because well, there's there's no, small no, no, brands damn, that easy. source. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's small I mean, brands that source, and uh, people might not realize that they're sourcing, and they call themselves craft brands or that they make craft whiskey or mm-hmm. they sell craft whiskey. True, because um, if the law was only distilling volume, then, you know, there, there are very small, there are probably big brands that source 99% and just distill a tiny bit, just kind of mm-hmm. for fun or to say that they're actually distilling. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm very, I'm actually very interested to learn what the official definition is of craft whiskey. And again, this is official whiskey. from American Craft Spirits Association. Uh, it's not a government thing. Um but when I talk about it, when I read it, it started to make me realize that it's very similar to when you think of a craft brewery um, as well. So the first rule, which I, I think is kind of kind of uh, kind of dumb, but I understand what they're getting at. A distillery who values the importance of transparency in distilling remains forthcoming regarding their use of ingredients, their distilling location process, bottling locations process and aging process. Okay. I mean, basically, it's like, oh, they got to care and be transparent about it, which most people that are into stealing because they enjoy it. But it's pretty vague, but pretty, pretty vague. <laughs> Very rule. vague. The th- I'm going to skip over the second one now. The third one, which I agree with wholeheartedly, a distillery that directly or indirectly holds an ownership interest of 51% or more of the DSP. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you can have investors in, but the main there, you still have to have 
self-ownership self-ownership of it that's very very interesting and i do agree with that that's very cool um and i think i'm actually the majority of people don't know about that (laughs) yeah no that that's nice that that's in that's probably the one i like the most the third the the, the, technically the second rule the one i would say for last a distillery that produces fewer than any guesses one million gallons Seven hundred fifty thousand uh, gallons annually. That's which, so much. You were, you were pretty, pretty close for a while. Which, just there. If you're talking I mean, with again, this is American Craft Spirit Association. Because at, at first I was wondering if it's proof gallons, but it's no total gallons. And seven hundred fifty thousand is if you're talking whiskey, about fourteen thousand one hundred fifty barrels a year. That's a lot. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's, that's about a, it's a little lot. over a thousand barrels. A I mean, month. you can still consider yourself crap. My, my guess would have been like one barrel a day, three hundred sixty-five barrels a year, which would have been twenty thousand uh, gallons um, yeah. compared to the seven hundred fifty thousand gallons that's yeah. written in there. Is I mean that would put a lot of distilleries under the craft umbrella. Until a few years ago, Bardstown still called themselves a craft distiller. Right. Um, I mean, like, that that has to qualify, like, just looking over my shoulder, like, Old Elk has to be considered a craft distillery then, mm-hmm. um, even though they're available nationwide. Um, I don't know, are they... Wait, so uh, the rule was distilling, right? Does it... Uh, does, yeah. Does it... The transparency in distilling remains forthcoming regarding their use of ingredients, distilling location, process, bottling locations, process, and aging process. I'm talking about the uh, oh. the volume that's 100% there distilled. Uh, it is not. Or is it just when they first started? Because they wouldn't be able to. Because going back to the sourcing thing. Yeah. You know? Like yeah, it doesn't say anything about sourcing. I'd find it hard to believe that Old Elk falls in there, including all of their source barrels they got from MGP. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I yeah, don't know. I mean, that's fair. I don't know what I don't know what Old Elk is doing behind the scenes in terms of distilling. I mean, I would imagine that they're just cranking, even though they don't have a lot, you know, released of their own distillate. They got to be yeah. cranking, getting is, stuff ready. They're they're. Uh, you know? Is it is an eight year is supposed to come out this year? Uh, they just came That's out with eight year weeded bourbon. Oh, I don't know about it being their own, um, but oh. they just came out with the eight year weeded bourbon and then a ten year wheat whiskey. Um, but uh, yeah. those are those are MGP, if oh, I'm not okay. mistaken. Um, but I know they took they transferred all of their MGP barrels to Colorado. Yeah, that's right. And I, I just with the success that they're having and. Greg Metz behind it and how big that name has gotten. Um, mm. I would find it hard to believe that they're distilling under that amount, but I could be totally off. Yeah. Maybe that was a bad example. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I we're just spitballing here. What else um, do I have back here? I mean, yeah. I think Peerless falls example. in that. Oh yeah. Peerless, does, Peerless yeah. would. Yeah. Uh, I was um, going to say mm-hmm. Bardstown, but there's, they're making a shitload of whiskey. No, they don't qualify. Yep. They're owned by the Pritzkers now. Yep, we're aware. So they, they don't they don't <laughs> fall under they don't fall under that fifty one percent ownership. When you're owned by well, a politician, yeah, you don't true. fall under any laws, Jake. It's <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess when I always thought of crap. Well, so when I saw the amount 
that you were allowed to produce, I immediately thought of Sam Adams still being called a craft brewery. That's exactly what I was going to bring up because I find that unbelievably hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I like so when I think of craft stores, I'll let you guys answer before I threw my stuff in. I always thought more regional. Um, like if you're in the Midwest, I whenever I think of craft breweries, I think of New Glarus and not uh, not Sam Adams. Right. I, I think a small regional, you have a more of a local hometown following within a few state areas. Um, but yeah, that's more or less what I thought. Um, but yeah, apparently you can do a thousand some barrels a month and still be, uh, still be considered craft. So the, yeah, it's crazy. They, they don't shoehorn many, they don't, they don't shoehorn a lot of, uh, small companies in there. They let some big guys in here too. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, Kind of the interesting thing, but um, I, I think it was last week, Jake, you were kind of talking about some things, uh, Jake, Gold Eagle Jake, um, with the way some of the big distilling is going now and you don't have much of that hand on touch. And mm-hmm. I think when I think of craft distilleries, I think, I mean, we're whiskey acres, we're very hands on. <laughs> um, there's not much automation, so everything's still done a lot by hand. Now there's a lot of distilleries that are same size as us or bigger that are kind of more automated, but still have a lot of hands-on stuff. But um, I, I think I tend to think more of the hands-on when I think of a craft. But Yeah. I mean, I, I would have thought it would have been more based on volume. I do really like the law about the ownership. That's mm-hmm. super cool to throw in there, but you gotta. You, I kind of think of this as also compared to a lot of the liquor laws, um, and just they're so old school. Um, you know, just written right after prohibition ended. Nothing has changed. They keep them the way they are, purely because that's how they were written, and they just don't want to change anything. Um, I think in the next like ten years, we'll we'll start to see some more changes now that alcohol is becoming a more, um, more I guess. Uh, accepted or like kind of more looked at as a hobby instead of just a way to get a buzz on. Um, And I think that the craft distilling law will kind of change as that goes, but I don't know. Does it say when that was written? Uh, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was more recently. It's not like, yeah, it's definitely since was a thing during prohibition, but I just, I just want to use that as like an example. Like once they set these laws in the liquor world, they it, it takes a lot of work to get anything changed and 99.99% of the time, nothing gets changed. Well, especially so, cause it's like a lot of these aren't even at the federal level. They're at the state level. Yeah. And like trying to get all 50 States to agree on something is like damn near right. impossible. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So the American craft spirits association is only 10 years old, 2013 to 2023 currently. So yeah, that makes um, sense. That's not a very old. It almost feels when I was reading the first uh, first stipulation they have about the importance of transparency and this, listen off this and this and this and this. It's like they're just like pointing right at Buffalo Trace. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, yeah, Buffalo Trace, you can't be in it because of this. We're, we're ruling you out on step one. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I craft distilleries, obviously, a lot have popped up over the last decade or a little more um, same way craft breweries started about 20 years ago, popping up everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. 
And again, like we, you hear the name craft brewery, you think of that little brew pub that brews their own beer in the back. That's what normally goes through my mind when I think of craft breweries. But I mean, you see a lot of that with craft distilleries too, is these small little places that make their own, they sell a little bit, but some of them are just making enough to keep, keep the bar full for them. Yep. But yeah, I don't, I'm still going to have my own opinion as what is a craft and what is not a craft. I'm not going to go off of that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, like, yeah. So, like, let's let's talk about what our criteria would be. So, I personally, I I dig that first law with the, you know, you have to have majority ownership. That's something I wouldn't have thought of, but I think it's a really good addition. And mm-hmm. then the other thing to me would be um, just the just how much they're producing. And I would think like you know, five barrels a day is like more than enough to be not a craft distillery. Yeah. Um, you know, like uh, Union Horse, for example, in Kansas, their they're claim to fame is they make one barrel a day. That's it. Um, and I don't know, like they would be in my head a borderline craft distillery because they're, they are, I don't know, I don't know if they're in all 50 states, but they're, they have pretty wide distribution. Um, and it's a pretty big distillery. Um, but yeah, I don't know. My, my criteria I think would be like much, much smaller in terms of how much volume that distillery is producing. Yeah. I would probably go a little bit higher than one barrel a day. Um, I would probably say no more than 500 barrels in a year would be what my thought would be. Yeah. I'd I'd say probably around there. Um, just because if you are trying to do some, exp- it's, it's that thing. Uh, I mean, since obviously craft, the, the name of craft distiller isn't necessarily a big thing to be marketing because there's really no, I mean, it, it, t- it took me a little bit to find the definition. I had to go through a couple of websites to find an actual definition. And it's from a, a organization that's been around for a decade. So, um, yeah, well, it, it's the same thing with small batch. Like small batch right. doesn't actually mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just some like marketing term that's usually applied. Yeah, that's, um, that's a good point. Like uh, I think it's uh, somebody said I, I I might be wrong, but I think it's Jefferson's. You know, says that they're small batch, but they're using like over a thousand barrels per batch. So like you know when you. Th- here, small batch, you think maybe like five barrels, mm-hmm. you know, but like a lot of these brands are just uh, using small batch as a marketing. And it's term. also, it, yeah, small batch is very up to the distillery to decide, mm-hmm. um, you know, depending on the size of your distillery is what you're going to call a small batch, like maybe for Jefferson's. Well, I don't know. Jefferson's doesn't really have like a bottom shelf for like four roses is the best example for small batch because they have a straight bourbon bottom shelfer, then they have the small batch and then they have single barrel and then they work up the small batch select, which I'm pretty sure is just like five barrels blended together. Um, and uh, so Jefferson's doesn't really have, they don't have like a straight bourbon. So all of their products are small batch, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I didn't know they were using a thousand barrels. Like that's a lot. That's, that's, uh, they should just be calling that a straight bourbon, but they're gaining a lot of customers because they put small batch on the label and there's no law for small batch. 
Um, mm-hmm. People just kind of assume like, oh, it's it's a smaller collection of barrels. It was crafted together. You know, it must be better than just a straight bourbon. Well, you know? I guess that, I mean, it makes sense because let's say Buffalo Trace normally does a 5,000 barrel blend. And then all of a sudden they do one that's only 2,000 barrel blend. Well, that's a lot smaller batch than their normal. Right, right. <laughs> it's all, it's all. Uh, yeah, so all that's why it kind of depends on the size of the distillery originally. Yeah. yeah. So like I, uh, going back to the criteria for this, um, I do like the transparency aspect of it. Um, and like, I've said this a lot on the show that I really do prefer brands that are transparent. Um, but I think you should be afforded the luxury of keeping your recipe secret. If you so choose, uh, especially if you're a small distillery. Um, yeah, there's, it's still kind of a, there's a fine line between being transparent, uh, giving away too much information, um, you know, and, uh, giving away false information. Like, I don't think Mm -hmm. any, no whiskey drinker is going to appreciate false information. Um, right. So I think, I think with that, as long as you're, you're being truthful with all the information that you are giving, um, I don't mind if you hide your mash bill cause I get it. You know, you want, you want to have something that's yours and you don't want people to be able to replicate it. Um, even though we all know it's, you can't really replicate a whiskey. Um, you know, it's done a certain way and most of the, the oak and the aging, what it's, you know, does it's talking, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, just going back to the craft thing, um, I, I've, I've just heard from so many people, you know, say, oh, I don't like craft whiskey. And I think most of those people will not, they don't know what the definition of craft whiskey is. Um, I mean, I, I didn't, so I'm not saying like you should, or most people do know, mm-hmm. Um, but I just think when people think of craft whiskey, they, they think of that local distillery, um, that is barely producing enough to have a product out there. Um, but, uh, you know, if we're, if we're using the true definition of craft whiskey, um, you can't really say I don't like craft whiskey because there's probably like 95% of the distilleries out there are considered craft whiskey. Yeah, as I say, besides your Jim, your Jack, your Buffalo, your Heaven Hills, like your main Makers, ones. Yeah. yeah. You're almost, I mean, this really only rules out probably like, when you think about a lot of things that you drink, this probably really rules out like two dozen distilleries. It, it, it rules out the big six and then the distilleries that are bought or have investors. Yeah. 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 So. It's, um, and I can understand, especially people say that they don't like craft. It's usually because they've, I mean, the, the big advantage of being these big distilleries that have been around forever is it takes a long time to get everything tuned into the exact way that you want it. When you're waiting four to five years to taste something that you made and then make a change to it um, right. and, and, and try it again and try it again and try it again. So it takes time to get better and better and better. So Obviously, as as a craft distillery, you want to start off selling something that, or a newer distillery, you want to start off selling something that people can like and enjoy and not be offended by. 
Um, but obviously the goal is to keep on checking back and seeing how it changes because it's going to change. Um, and usually you keep getting better and better and better. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think like also it's, uh, there is a little bit of like a taste or flavor component to it. Now, like you can identify certain distilleries by the, their flavor profiles. Um, however, I would challenge somebody to be able to tell if it's a craft distillery versus a <laughs> large distillery. Um, so, I, I mean, that brings up a good point too. Like I can't tell you how many times I've, I've poured something for someone or someone, you know, is just drinking something blind and they go, Oh, this smells crafty or this tastes crafty. Yeah. You I've know? heard that too. Yeah. Like that's a very common thing. Um, and I guarantee 99% of those people don't know what craft distilling is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just what, like, uh, this doesn't taste like heaven Hill or Jim beam or yeah. Buffalo trace to me. So it must not be, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it must be some guy in his basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's uh, it, it's, it's kind of like a, there's not really a fine line, you know, it's, it's, it's mostly opinionated on what, what you think is craft or what you think tastes like craft. Um, but yeah, it's a interesting subject. I kind of like this is, I was just going to say, this is one time where like, I really wish the listeners would be able to speak in and give their feedback on this because I'm kind of torn in a couple different places about this topic. Mm -hmm. Jake, I'm offended that you said basement distillers and not garage distillers. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the other thing I was thinking of today too, um, besides just the fact that it takes a while for a newer distillery or these small craft distilleries to really figure out everything that they want to do the way they want to do it. The other side of things is too, is like when we think, like if when we think of craft, if we're going to think of, we're, we're saying we normally think of smaller or newer things, especially newer things that have started up, where did master distillers from a new distillery come from? They're not coming from people that have had years and years experience doing it because they're not going to make enough money distilling at a very small startup. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, if you're going to be a big startup, usually you're going to have some investment behind you and then you might not be owning 51% still be considered a crap distillery. But I mean, just think of what was it? Woodford when uh, McCall, Elizabeth McCall took over not too long ago. She'd been the mm -hmm. assistant there for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, so for 10 years, you're basically doing all the grunt work and, and doing everything the way they want you to. Um, like it's, it's you, if you're starting up small, you're, you're figuring out things as you go. This was uh, starting to sound like a little personal grievance there, Dan. <laughs> a little bit. Dan, but no, it's Dan's it's, a little shook for those of you no. not watching the video. No. I mean, I mean, the, the funny thing was what, like it's, any any small distillery is not going to have the cash to get a big name person now. Right. Um, yeah. Like at Whiskey Acres, they had a distiller, or they got taught by Dave Pickerel, which most mm -hmm. people can't really have that claim to fame. Um, then they had a master distiller for a little bit, and then Rob came in with really no, um, 
experience at all and was taking his taking online classes through a place in Scotland and got his degree in fermentation science as he was learning things. He's been there for seven years now, but it's, I mean, he had, it's, that's what you're going to get when you start off. I mean, when we talked, when Torvig was in, they brought in a master distiller that didn't work and they put out an ad for people that didn't have experience. Yep. Um, so, it, and, it, and they said the same thing too. It takes time for you to figure out what you're doing. I mean, I walked into a situation where I knew the very, very basics of distilling. And that was about it from making uh lawnmower fuel uh, hmm. as, a, as a try. Um, and uh, so I had very base knowledge, but the amount I learned quickly has been insane, but it's, I mean, I'm making whiskey for a, a decent sized distillery now and uh, came in with no experience, but it just takes some time to build up and get exactly where you want to be with your cuts and everything. Yeah. I mean, in, you touched on it and then we talked about it last episode too, that, you know, most distillers, it takes, you know, decades to perfect whatever your spirit is. And, uh, by that time it might be close to retirement, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, that's like the, the, uh, we've talked about this point before too, is that the big advantage that Buffalo trace and heaven Hill and, four roses and these other distilleries that have been around since the 1800s have is that they've got over a hundred years of experience and recipe fine tuning, um, you know, that an inventory, right. And inventory that most other distilleries just don't have, um, definitely, uh, don't have the luxury, you know, to, uh, be able to dump entire crops of, certain things if they feel like it's not up to their standards or whatever, you know, or do massive experimental batches and see what happens, you know? Yeah. Well, what are some of the craft things you guys are drinking tonight? Makers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It doesn't have to be craft. <laughs> we were just talking about the difference between craft and, and other distilleries. No, yeah. I mean, you guys uh, hopped on the podcast. I didn't even know what we were talking about tonight. That's how <laughs> That's how you guys know we, we do it all on the fly. We don't plan these episodes out. But as I was pouring some of my private select makers, they're like, you know, we we're talking about craft distilleries tonight. I'm like, oh, better go grab some different bottles. So I went back and I grabbed uh, Peerless because um, technically uh, they're considered a craft distillery. Um, so this would be like my kind of extreme, like best of the best. Uh, I'd have to look at a whole list to really narrow it down. But off the top of my head, that the Peerless would be like the best of the best craft distillery um, that I've tasted. And my other bottle uh, I had to support Dan over here is Whiskey Acres. Gold Eagle store pick supporting both of us. Um, but yeah. Still available. Still available. Really, really good barrel. Um I think uh, this 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 particular barrel just shows what Whiskey Acres is capable of, and it's what I believe Whiskey Acres will get to in just a year or two once more stuff matures. Um, and they they really you know all their barrels that they've been fine tuning come to age. Yeah, and that that's a uh, a good point. If you make it out there, uh, try whatever the uh, what do they call it, Dan? The like. Distillers reserve. Distillers reserve. Yes. Yeah, so mm -hmm. The the employees pick a barrel on a rotating mm -hmm. schedule. Uh, and that's usually available for pours at the bar. 
no, they're they're usually really good. So <laughs> definitely give that a try if you're out there. One of the questions I get asked uh, by a bunch of friends when they see that, they're like, when are you picking a barrel? I'm yeah, like, right I honestly now. don't want to because on the bottom sticker of the bottle, you have the person who picked it and you have to sign or put your name or put your initials on every single one of those stickers. So it's like a 180 stickers. I ain't signing 180 <laughs> stickers. It's too much work. What else are you going to do while you're waiting for shit to distill? Yeah. I've got plenty of stuff to do. Like drink Have you whiskey. heard of this thing called YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of this uh, thing called a Glen Karen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we hold <laughs> hands the entire day and it's a rough job, but <laughs> Some, somebody's gotta do it, Jake. Yeah. When when you're out there doing barrel picks all the time, mm -hmm. just think of me suffering in a distillery. <laughs> I know. With nothing to do when I'm it's a rough harsh. <laughs> I am drinking a fairly local small craft distillery, um, Mississippi River Distilling Company out of the Quad Cities. Um, I've never had their stuff. This is the first time I had it. I have some of my relatives live in the Quad Cities, and they brought me a, a Cody Road single barrel, uh, which I think it's actually, when I looked it up, LeClaire, Iowa, which isn't that where the, the American pickers were from or something, isn't it? Right in the area. Oh somewhere. yeah, I think it is. But it's just right over the Mississippi from us. Um, they're not a farm distillery like Whiskey Acres, but it says on their website they get all their grain from within 25 miles of their distillery. Um, so this is... Rye or bourbon? This is a single barrel bourbon. Um, What's the proof? 90? Uh, no, it's this is barrel proof. Is it? I think so. Maybe not. No, 105 proof. 105. Batch one, bottle 110. Um, and it is a 70% corn, 20% wheat, 10% barley. Um, it does have a pretty good nose on it. Um, it's got a little bit of that, not saying this in a bad way, it's got a little bit of the dusty corn nose on it. Um, but then a lot of caramel and vanilla on the back. It, um, the finish makes me feel like it's actually, it finishes a little stronger than 105 proof. It does have a little bit of the ethanol on the finish on it. Um, palette's decent. It's not bad. Um, it's... I, I should have brought some water because this pin, uh, drop or two of water might have really opened this up as well, too. Um, but I think it's, uh, I, I, I think, and I mean, I, I, there are people who say this about Whiskey Acres, too, and it's not a bad thing, is it kind of has a little bit more of that corn note onto it yet. Um, Just say crafty. No, you want yeah, to it's, it tastes crafty. This, if, if I if I did this blind, I would probably be able to tell that it was a craft distillery that did this, Jake. Um, no, it's it's got so, it's, it's a it's it's good. I I have no problems with this. I'll definitely. It's not a bottle that I'm not happy about. Um, it's not one of my favorite bottles, but I think this is a good start because this is I this is Bash One, so this is the first time they've released their single barrel. Um, and the bottle, I don't think, is too terribly old. So um, definitely a good foundation to keep building on. Um, so I'll, I'll just give my quick take on this distillery. Um, I'm actually a pretty big fan. We had one of their owners out for a master class last year, 
Um, and they are, they're all about, um, kind of like being your first whiskey, your, your intro to getting into sipping whiskey neat. Um, anytime I talk to somebody who, you know, says they had, you know, a cock, uh, old fashioned, or they went to a friend's house and people were sipping whiskey and they kind of want to get into it. Um, Cody road from Mississippi rivers, a perfect first example because their their target market is the beginner into whiskey everything they do is lower proof um they try to with their mash bill i mean 70 corn 20 percent wheat 10 barley they try to make a really approachable softer whiskey um and i think that 105 proof it might not be barrel proof, but I think it's pretty close to it because I'm pretty sure they have a very low entry proof. And I know they do everything in like 15 or 35 gallon barrels, so smaller barrels. Um, and they're also all about like mastering flavored whiskeys. Yeah, they do a lot of flavored. Yeah, I know we're not big flavored whiskey fans, but like if you want a good honey whiskey, if you want a good maple whiskey, they're using really, really good honey. and really, really good local maple syrup and blending it perfectly into the whiskey. Um, and their price point is right. Like I'm sure that single barrel bottle was under 40 bucks. Yeah. Um, I know it was because all their, their prices are pretty low. All their stuff is usually around $30 a bottle. Um, and some of the single barrels can get up to around 40, but for the price, I think they're they're great. They're just not like a connoisseur's whiskey, but they're really good to have around in case you need a decent mixer or in case you have guests over who aren't really into whiskey at the level that we are um, and want to kind of dabble and try something. And the other thing I think of when I think of craft distillers, I guess we didn't, none of us really talked about this, is when I think of craft distilleries, it's a place I want to go to on the weekend and have a few drinks out at their place. Cause they're usually very fun, very relaxed environments. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very chill and very fun places to be at. I mean, it's not that the big distilleries aren't fun to be at, but I mean, they don't need yeah. to entertain. Yeah. Right. You know, they're, they're making all their money from their whiskey, the smaller craftier distilleries. Mm-hmm. They need people to come to the tap room and buy cocktails and, you know, buy food if they have food. Um, you know, that's, that's really how they're, making money because they're they're only distilling so much and then it's 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 very hard to be a startup distillery if you're just making whiskey because obviously you need to let the stuff age and it takes time yeah i do want to try they do have a corn whiskey that they sell and it's called iowa ish whiskey and i just want to try it because that looks awesome (laughs) they have a bourbon cream called like iowa ish um that's really good. Nice. Yeah, their creams and flavors are best, the best. Yeah, it looks like they have the honey, a maple, a peach, an old an old fashioned, a barrel Manhattan. So, yeah, I don't know too much about them. I've seen the stuff around, um, and like I said, I got this bottle given to me, and uh, it was. Hadn't had a reason to open it, and I thought this would be a good mm-hmm. opportunity to pull this one out. But absolutely, it's nice. Yeah, no, it's it's a nice. good idea, mm-hmm. Mr. Jake. So yeah, for me, um, I'm drinking Blom Brothers. I'm drinking the rye whiskey tonight because uh, that's the one that I had open. 
Um, <laughs> and it's, it's actually, it's probably one of my favorite ryes. Um, it's a hundred percent rye at a hundred proof. Um, for those that don't know, they're in Galena. Um, I'm like very upset because the one time I've ever been to Galena, uh, I was told that they weren't very good. So I didn't stop there. <laughs> uh, and somebody told me a brutal lie. Uh, because it is very good. I cannot remember for the life of me. Um, but yeah, I'm like upset that I never stopped there because uh, I, I mean, had to the be opportunity fair, to and I passed it up. So yeah, I was going to say, to be fair, their stuff has gotten a lot better in the last couple of years. Shout out to <clears throat> Matt and Mike. I mean, they're really, they're doing things right. They're taking their time. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not rushing barrels out of there. Um, they have a good stock of like eight or nine year old stuff that they're still just sitting on because they they care and they want it to be, you know, they want to they want to love it before they put it out there. They, they don't just want to release something just to get their money back on it. They want to absolutely love it and build their name slowly. So I got mm-hmm. a lot of respect for those guys. I, I think this rye is even like a f- five year like standard. It's not. It doesn't is, have is a that the statement. is that the standard off the shelf? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like four yeah, or I mean, five year rye, which is it pretty is, old but, for. But a they also, craft I think it's like rye. up to up to seven years, probably in that bottle. Um, yeah, I think like their straight off the shelf stuff is a blend I mean, of like four to seven it's, year. It's dark too. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell that it's it's got some age on it. Um, it definitely comes through in the nose and on the palate. Um, it's a, for being a hundred percent rye, um, it's not really that like MGP kind of flavor. Um, mm-hmm. it's almost bourbony in its flavor profile rather than a rye. Wait, did you say it, it is MGP like? It's not really. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot more a... like vanilla you know, and caramel. There's like a little bit of like baking spice, like cinnamon. Mm-hmm. It is and, distilled um, by Blanc. Yes, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be, just want to be clear. With our yeah. No, uh, uh, the only thing that they don't distill, they don't make anymore or sell anymore because they yeah, ran the out. <laughs> well, not a bourbon. They came yeah, out with like a Nodder rye recently. Oh, but, did they? Okay. Yeah. They're, they will always be very transparent. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think it was like a yeah. distillery only release like six months ago, but it was called Nodder Rye. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're very transparent. They're, they're not going to try and pull one on us. Um, yeah. But yeah. No, their, their stuff has improved drastically. Um, they're finally starting to do some single barrels and some really unique finishes um, that I think, uh, you know, is just kind of the missing piece of the puzzle that they needed. Yeah, and uh, the master class uh, was that last year or early this year? Uh, it was early this year. Um, we tried a few different rides from them um, that were all phenomenal. Um, and then you, do you have a barrel pick coming? No, we haven't done one. Uh, okay, but I mean, we probably will soon. Hopefully, uh, Matt and Mike are listening to this and. We'll offer us one up, but uh, I've I've got a pretty good relationship with them, um, and they actually just 
parted ways with their distributor. So right at the moment okay. right now, they don't have a distributor. I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying this, but I said it. Um, so hopefully soon they'll, they'll partner up with another distributor and we'll be able to do more with them. But I know, mm -hmm. I know if we like found a single barrel that we really wanted, they would, they would find a way to get it to us. So mm -hmm. not really too concerned about that. Um, but yeah, Blom is, uh, they're, they're trying to make moves. They're trying to, mm -hmm. you know, get more notice and, um, uh, you know, props to them because those guys, those guys are working hard and they both have families and, um, you know, I think they're, they're producing some really good whiskey. And I think in the early stages, kind of like whiskey acres, they might've, uh, well, I, I should say with any like small craft distillery, like it just takes time and you're not going to come out with your best stuff on your first try. You're not going to come out with mm -hmm. your best stuff on your second, third or fourth try. It's going to take years of practice and trial and error to really dial in what you're doing. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like I said, it, it's not just learning how to do everything too, but it's also learning how to get the best out of your equipment. It's yeah, um, and like it, how your equipment's going to affect yeah what it tastes like six years from now, you know, and how coming out at out of the still at two proof points higher or two proof points lower after it's been cut down and into a barrel for a little bit is there much of a difference? And sometimes the answer is yes. Uh, you know, we know that we want to be about one thirty eight to one forty proof coming out of our still. Um, is where we're putting a lot of our whiskey at. So, um, but it took them a long time to figure that out, that that's where we're getting the flavor with profile that we want is out of that range. And it just takes some time to learn that. Dan's just giving away trade secrets over here. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I guess Jake if, is too. If, <laughs> if you want, I mean, if you came down for the tour, we say that on the tour. So it's, I don't know if it's a really big secret when it's part of our tour. So... <laughs> But no, it, it's, it's fun. It's fun to watch stuff grow. Um, I just wish Blom wasn't in Galena cause I'm not a big fan of Galena. goes <laughs> back to old high school rivalries and such, but, uh, uh, high school, what high schools are out by Galena? Uh, first I'm of all, Galena is one of the big high schools <laughs> out by us. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Cause there's no one else out there. <laughs> well, you forget yeah, that Dan was a farm boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have Lena right there. Lena Stockton. You drive Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth doesn't have high school. They're part of. I forget who they're part of now. Yeah, but no, there's there's a bunch of small schools out there. I can I can <laughs> I can take you out there and show you guys some bars. You want to see some bars? Yeah, I, mean, I, I went <laughs> I went out to Galena for the first time when we picked our last two blonde barrels. Well, first time since I was like ten years old. Um, I wouldn't mind going out there again. Like it was actually surprisingly for going out in the middle of nowhere. It was a a decently interesting drive um and you gotta love just the the factor just just being in a small town you know it's, it's a good it's a good yeah. little escape i mean i do want to go there to get out to blonde brothers because we, mean, we should saw them better that i did not go last time <laughs> yeah I, even uh, if someone told me they're a place's whiskey sucked and i was going there out to that area i would still stop check it out and get a cocktail come on well, it, it, we were on our way home, oh. and it was either stop at this place that somebody told me was garbage, or mm -hmm. just go home after a wedding. I got so you. I was like, I'm just gonna go home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Any other thoughts on craft distilleries or other things? 
that you're thinking of. I, I well, this hold on, this wouldn't be craft, but when Jake, you were talking about four roses, that didn't bring me back to my news feed today. Did you see the new four what four roses is gonna be releasing here soon? And Illinois will be getting some. They I are just going saw that to they were be, coming out with new labels. Uh they are coming out with a sampler pack oh, that will damn. have 10 different 50 milliliter bottles wow. of like the OESK, OBS, like oh all a bunch of their different uh, things. Hmm. Um, I think it was like 130 bucks is what the retail was going to be on it. It said you can get them at the gift shop and then it listed six states that they'll be selling them. Illinois is one. Genius um, idea. Great idea because that's the one thing is I wasn't a big fan of the tour at Four Roses that we went on. Um well, the now, plant was shut down, which I still blows me away. I can't believe that they shut down for a month out of every year. But yeah, <laughs> and and to be fair, I think I was really hammered by the time we were there. <laughs> um, but really, hammered is probably an understatement. I don't know. I just I thought their tasting was kind of meh, but because they spend all this time talking about. You know, this mash, this this letter is for this mash bill, and this is for this style of yeast, and this and, this. and then they give you like these small ass tiny samples, and that was about it. And I wish they would have gave us some some different flavor profiles to try, um, but this is really cool. I'm really excited for it. Uh, I'm not probably going to see one or get one, but I'm sure they're going to be I, in very high demand. But I do know they're pretty strict on what they, how much they can pour. Um, a lot of the Depending on you know what part of Kentucky you're in, they have pretty strict laws. Yeah. Still, believe it or not, um, mm-hmm. but no, I do remember um, after my tour, which was like, of course, a VIP private tour. Um, it was still like four quarter ounce samples, and it was like, okay, that was that was cool, but I couldn't really taste too much. Um, yeah, <laughs> but the the. I haven't even heard about that pack yet, but that is genius. And I hope more distilleries do things like this because the consumer really is about, you know, they're, they're a hundred times more advanced than what they were 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And people can pick up these differences in these different recipes. And they're also more into sipping whiskey at home. So that, 10 sampler pack is can make for a really really fun evening with two or three guys three four guys girls whatever um you know at home um i'd rather spend Mm -hmm. 130 bucks on that than go out and spend 130 bucks on six or seven shitty cocktails yeah no i i saw it and i'm like this is awesome this is a great idea then i'm like shit this is going to be the next thing that everyone's walking into and hey did you get the Four Roses box set in? <laughs> Got any Four Roses box sets in the well, back, I'm, Jake? I'm going to start getting requests every single day now after this episode airs. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Which surprisingly, I actually had a few people come in and um, ask about the Buffalo Trays when it was dropping before uh, before it dropped. Just because oh. they listened to the Bourbon Matters. So I, th- I thought that was pretty cool. See, so I'm, I'm a, if you listen, yeah, you get insider info. I, I, I'm <laughs> totally up for giving listeners insider info. I think it's cool that we have a, a, a small but decent following of people that listen to us speak and drink. So, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really cool next week when that Pappy 12 barrel comes. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I like how we've resorted to bribing people to listen to go into Jake's store and buy shit. All right, every like, week from Jesus now on, Christ. every week from now on, we're going to tell you what day something is dropping. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, same reason why I couldn't give an exact date on the Buffalo Trace is, like, we don't know when this stuff drops until it shows up at our door. And then it's mm-hmm. like, all right, here we go. Time mm-hmm. to drop it. But yeah. Yeah. No. No, so that'll be that'll be cool. Um I, I'm not the biggest fan of four roses, but I would I think that's a great idea. Um it was a year and a half or two years ago when Bardstown started doing their little sampler packs with yeah. their distillate. Those were cool little, too, yeah. I like I mean it was cool. I mean that, that sampler pack was basically mm-hmm. what you do to their tasting. Yeah when we were there. Yeah. For for the tour was they started with the distillate, which I like. I think that's cool, so you can see how much stuff, cha- how much the barrel changes something. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I know there's a couple other places I've seen. I I, I know Laws has like a small box with a couple different mm-hmm. things in it, but um, mm-hmm. I like those people that are doing those smaller things because yeah, it's we like to try, um, and it's a good way to try and get people to find stuff now you're, you're going to find things in there that you're not a big fan of but then you're going to find something in there you didn't know you liked and you can go right after it then yeah and yeah exactly people want to try they want to explore um and you know same thing i say at the end of the master classes you just you just tried six things you're going to find something that you really love um mm-hmm. so more distilleries should be doing that i hope uh, we get to the point where big distilleries are listening to our podcast and uh, they take these things into advice, but uh, we will just put it on record and say we're before the trend. You say that Jake until Buffalo trace makes one that's got Eagle rare Taylor <laughs> Blanton's and everyone's you have the Buffalo tray every I still, still that would be a genius idea. Like genius mm-hmm. because they probably could get it out to more people. Yeah. You know, everyone's going to be looking for it. And, you know, I'll tell like, if you guys were to ask me for that, I'd tell you, you're stupid. Like you, you've tasted all that stuff. Why would you want to <laughs> overpay for a 50 milliliter sampler pack? But, but, but nobody's tasted the, all the four roses recipes, unless you've gone there to do a barrel pick. Yeah. And right. even then the barrels are going to be different based on what single barrel they're pulling. So I think that's absolutely genius. Um, and even if they do make a ton of it, I can't see it sitting on the shelf for long yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause that's like, I most, I mean, cause there's 10 different recipes and I would right. say most of those you can't get outside of a, a one of the blended batches you, no you really can't i think uh i think only one of them you can get off the shelf which is the one that's in their straight single barrel mm-hmm. um the hunter proof version but then to get the other recipes on their own you have to find a barrel pick yep yep so well that was a fun little quick topic to talk about Unexpected. Yeah, we did end the craft episode on a baby story, Dan. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh-huh. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, we know that the Gold Eagle uh, Buffalo Trace barrel pick hit the app today, uh, but it also sold out on the app today very quickly. 
But sold Jake, out in people, store if, too. I think I got the text during this podcast that the barrel sold out. I, I will say that it's nice to have the app because when I went to sign in, I'm like, shit, I'm not going to get one. And it had all my information that I could just hit the click. Yeah. And, uh, it was nice. It was nice. Mm-hmm. And then it was funny because I just had to do that. And Rob, our master stiller was trying to get one and he's freaking out as he's frantically trying to enter his credit card and his address <laughs> and all this stuff. I'm like, it's what you get. It's what you get, yep. Rob. Should have had an account. That's what you get for not supporting us before, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I've tried to. T- I've tried <laughs> as hard as I can with with him. Sometimes. See, but. Dan. Dan talks all this shit about promoting Gold Eagle all the time. And what does he do? He gives it like a three minute plug. He's a good promoter. <laughs> He's a good promoter. <laughs> you you act like I don't give everything shit about everything. Like that's yeah, my personality. Is. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even if you give something shit, you're still promoting it. I know. I know. <laughs> so. <laughs> No, I, 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 I and people that know me realize that all I do is talk stupid shit because I, it's, that's, uh, it makes me laugh. That's why and, you're uh, on the podcast, Dan. And, yeah. And, and for those of you listening, <laughs> do understand that after one episode, I texted Jake, right? I'm like, you realize that I was just joking about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jake from Gold Eagle, me, we know each other pretty well, but we're not besties by any means. I'm like, does, does he realize that that's my personality that I'm just giving him shit? So I let me make sure he cleared it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an asshole. It's fine. Jake, unfortunately, do that's uh, the only reason you're on the show still. So I know. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm here for the humor and the like, quick little 30 second Instagram clips. Yeah, well, I'll say one, <laughs> I say one dumb thing per episode, and it seems to always. Well, I say multiple dumb things per episode. Let's let's be honest, but. Mm-hmm. So, I'll yeah. plug Gold Eagle Gold real Eagle. quick. Uh, Instagram, yeah, go plug. Gold Eagle Wine, Facebook, Gold Eagle Spirits. Make sure you download our app and make sure you buy something so that when we drop something that's selling out quick, you don't have to go and put in all your information. It'll all be saved in there. So then one click of the button, you can just secure it, come and pick it up at your leisure. Um, and that's that. And I don't know if we have anything dropping next week. If we get something delivered, we'll drop it. So no 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 uh nothing for the listeners to take home this week. I don't know. Yeah, nothing that I know of. Um, <laughs> it's 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 actually pretty rare that we get that we know when something is coming. Most of the time, it's a day before, two days before, or it just shows up at the back door, and then that's that. But uh, what I can say is, there's plenty of great stuff out there on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, if you miss, if you miss a drop, just come in, see us and you'll find something that you will like. I guarantee that. Jake, Good. plug our shit. I'm, I'm done. My final thought on craft <laughs> distilleries, go to a local one and try it. Even mm-hmm. if it's just for fun. Uh, cause you never know what you'll stumble on. So, uh, just Google like bourbon distillery or whiskey distillery near me. And uh, go check out whatever's close. And even if it's not good, you're supporting a local place that cares. Yeah. Rule number one of craft distillery. Remember, they care. Yep. So you can find us at Bourbon Matters on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, You can watch us on Spotify and YouTube or listen to anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, Like, subscribe, rate, comment. Tell us that we're all idiots because we don't know what craft whiskey is. 
feel free to single whatever me out. you want. like i'm fine being <laughs> singled out too like <laughs> the one that's not named jake yeah <laughs> all right all right cool cheers cool. guys cheers, cheers.